Welcome to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. I'm Rachel, and this podcast is where you'll find the space to clear your head and calm your heart. Make yourself at home. Hey there, and thank you for listening from wherever you are. That's one cool thing about podcasts, isn't it? You can join in from the subway, the bike trail, the mountains, or the beach. Pretty awesome. So I'm Rachel, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, I'm digging into an age-old question. Yes, it's one that's been around for thousands of years. Ready for this? I'll give you a hint. Somewhere between ages three and a half to maybe five, children begin to ask their parents this question frequently, and it sounds like, Mommy, why does the bird sing? Daddy, why does the car make that noise? Grandma, why is the sky blue? Grandpa, why is the grass green? And if you've heard one of those questions, you know that at that age, that's not the that's just the first question of the day. It would seem they can keep going with the same question through the whole day. From the time their little eyeballs open until they close at night, it's why, why, why? I mean, who doesn't want to understand why? If you've never ever asked God why, then I want to meet you so I can question your integrity. If you're wishing you could understand the why behind your current circumstances, then get ready, friend, because today I am deep diving into the question, God, why? Why is this happening? Why did this have to happen? This question is one that I began asking God over 20 years ago when I found myself in a crumbled marriage. When my mom was diagnosed with leukemia, this question crossed my mind multiple times a day. We, when we discovered that our bubbly little girl had a terminal disease, I can't tell you how many years I was asking God just one question. Why? First, I need to tell you that God is totally patient with our questioning. He does not get angry at our question of why, but his response is always redeeming love. And secondly, for everyone out there who's thinking, we shouldn't ask a holy God why, he's creator, that's why, which is true, but as our creator, I think there's something you should really know about how God made us. God actually created the human brain to ask questions. Did you know that? Our brain obtains an ability called neuroplasticity, which allows the physical properties of our brain to shift and absorb new insight. When we ask questions or are asked questions, the brain releases a reflecting hormone, serotonin. This hormone's job is to help us relax and gather information. Asking questions plays an important role in our ability to gain fresh understanding and vision. If you'd like more info on this topic, I'll leave a link in the show notes to my friends at Answers in Genesis. But the point is, God wants you to ask questions. It actually makes sense that we humans are prone to ask God why, because he created our brains to do that very thing. What is it about this question, though, that we really want to know? What do you think we're truly searching for when we ask why, God? There's information that we're attempting to gather when we ask God why. Let's nail down a few ideas of what we're really looking for. First, when we ask God why, we don't like the information at hand and we want new information or a new revelation. I remember when our family first received the news that the average lifespan for our Taylor's disease was 10 to 15 years. Every cell in my body screamed no. When I was asking God why at that time, I didn't like the facts at hand and I wanted a different result. 
So I asked God why, because the reality of the truth at hand was dark and painful. Substitute info, please. My hope was that a new revelation would take place. A cure would be found. A treatment would be developed. Somehow we would avoid the inevitable. But just because we don't like our reality doesn't mean that God isn't using it. Pain and suffering in our lives doesn't mean we've done something to deserve punishment. It means God, our ultimate redeemer, is going to do something extraordinary. Something else that we really want when we ask God why is comfort in our pain. We just want someone to hold us and tell us that everything is going to be all right. That the pain won't last forever. Psalm 119.50 says, My comfort in my suffering is this, Your promise preserves my life. When I find myself in a place of asking God why, I call out to him, yes, with the question of why. But then I search for comfort in his promises. I can't tell you how this step of action in my search for comfort has done for me exactly what the psalmist said. It has truly preserved my life. I simply don't know where I'd be without grabbing onto the promises of God and holding them as close to my heart as I possibly can. The truth is that when we ask God why, we aren't always looking for comfort. When we're angry, we don't often want to cuddle, am I right? In anger, we're often searching for clarity. We want to logically understand the purpose of the pain, the job loss, the life loss, and the list goes on. When we're asking God why, many times we don't care about a logical answer. We just want relief. Make it go away. Pass the Advil. But the majority of times we're asking God why, it's because we want our way. His way doesn't seem like a good plan. We can't see all the pieces and parts of the story he's orchestrating. In Genesis 22, we find God calling Abraham. And this time, instead of promising Abraham children as many as the sand of the sea and stars of the sky, he tells Abraham to bring him a sacrifice. And the sacrifice wasn't doves or sheep. But his son, his only son that God had provided as the beginning of a promise of blessing for generations to come. My dear friend Carol Kent is the author of a book called When I Lay My Isaac Down. And regarding Abraham's state at this critical point, she says, Abraham had history with God. He trusted him so much that even if Isaac died on that altar, he believed God would bring him back to life. In obedience, he laid his Isaac down. In the original language of the Bible, the term for laying down, as used in in Genesis 22, actually means a lifting up. It was an act of worship for Abraham to lay Isaac on the altar. Carol goes on to say, My personal history with God includes the belief that a better day is coming that this life is not all there is. If I focus on that truth, then I know whether my son walks in freedom in this lifetime or in the next, one day he will indeed walk in freedom. For this season of his life, he's in prison ministry with the maximum security inmates as an inmate servicing God from his prison cell. My purpose in writing when I lay my Isaac down is not to scare people into thinking that if they commit their lives to God, Bad things will happen to them or to their family members. All of our journeys are different. However, there is a cost to being a Christ follower. The surprising comfort is that when God seems the most absent, He is the most present. And the cup of suffering can become the cup of joy. I would have never chosen this testimony or this unthinkable future for my only child, but I will not waste it. 
What has happened to us can become a platform upon which we declare hope, faith, and truth to those who are watching our reactions and listening to our story. I just love Carol so much, and her book, When I Lay My Isaac Down, is life-changing. If you are having a struggle with circumstances that you just really wish would change, and you're wondering why, hers is a great book to pick up for encouragement. You know, a friend of mine from high school wrote to me several months ago, and we both grew up in Christian school with parents who believe in God and serve Him. This friend has endured a lot of heartache in this world, so much that I can't wrap my head around. He lost his beautiful wife to cancer, which left him alone to raise two children, a girl and a boy. His daughter struggled with mental illness for many years after the loss of her precious mother, and his daughter's mind was at such a war that tragically she took her own life. I can't even imagine the sorrow he lives each day. He wrote to me in deep pain, and the crux of his message was why. How could a loving God allow such horrific suffering and pain to exist? And my heart was so heavy for him after receiving his message, it took me a few days to think over my reply, because how could I possibly think that my words would aid him in such a deep, deep wound? But I tried, and this is part of my response to him. Why would God create a child with a disease that causes her to lose skill by skill? Why would he give me a child that I can't properly care for? Why does he not give doctors the answers to better support us and help them know what to do? Why have scientists not been able to find the cures? I've scoured the Bible for certain answers and I still don't feel logically satisfied because faith is spiritual. I bear my soul before the Lord daily and spiritually I know without a single doubt that not only does he exist, but he does intervene. Just because we can't see how doesn't mean he didn't act. I wish I knew what was going through my tailor's mind when she gave her last breath. We watched her gasp for her breath for four days, and all I could tell her was to run to Jesus. Her suffering and agony was so evident that I just wanted it to end. The world is an evil place, and Satan is ever the torment. I don't know the why answers. I've heard people say that when they get to heaven, the first question they will ask God is, why? Fill in the blank. But I believe that we won't have to ask. We will understand without asking because that's how perfect heaven will be. I don't know if I said anything that will help you. I can only tell you that I've processed similar questions over and over, finally realizing that there's no earthly answer that will ever satisfy I have to decide if I believe God is who he says he is or not. I've seen enough of him in my lifetime to know firsthand that he is who he says he is. There's a lot I don't understand, but I know in my heart that he is with me. And especially in the deepest, darkest valleys, he is there. I'm not sure that my words helped my friend very much because the extreme pain overwhelms his heart so deeply and it's going to be a process of healing. There's no instant fix on this planet. Truthfully, complete healing won't take place until heaven and in the meantime, we can shift our gaze to living every day with eyes wide open. I shared with you how for so many years I kept asking God all the why questions. And again, God wired our brains to ask questions. 
one day the Lord showed me that it wasn't asking asking him questions that was wrong. I realized, good heavens, I'm asking the wrong question. And as I share in my book, One More Step, I stopped asking God why. And I started asking God, will you reveal yourself to me? Help me see how you're working in this situation. I know this situation or these circumstances are for your glory. So give me glimpses of your glory, God. Show me how you're working. It was revolutionary to shift my question. Because God began answering my prayer to see him more. I began to count the blessings and not the burdens, even though our situation didn't change. Shortly before my tailor was called home to heaven, I wrote her a letter about heaven. And I feel the Lord impressing on my heart to share these words with you, written in November 2018, just two months before she graduated. Let's see if I can get through them for you. My girl, we made it through your shower and now you're sleeping peacefully. Friday was such a good day that I thought maybe you were on an upswing. After not smiling for months, you smiled right at me. Your eyes said, yes, you're my mom and I love you. You did the same for daddy. So precious. Don't worry, I heard you loud and clear. Even though you haven't been able to say a word in over 13 years. While I basked in the sweetness of that moment, and though it filled me with hope, Saturday morning you were different again. Disease is causing your brain to do its own thing outside of your control. Your arms fly around randomly and your legs kick up in the air without purpose. The last few days, you're startling easily, even with the gentlest approach. You're struggling to swallow and we are back to using the dropper at times, though it's hit or miss. You've lost so much weight that I'm afraid to hold you up. Your bones peek through where they shouldn't, and your skin is paper thin in places. I've heard so many people say in the last few months, I don't know how you do it. I never have an appropriate response because there is no other choice. My love for you chooses to walk through hard things with grace. My heart for you demands strength be infused from my spirit to yours. The truth is, I don't know how you do it. We keep going because God has a plan. I won't pretend to understand it fully. But the smiles you gave us on Friday, a reminder that he still works miracles. I have something I really need to tell you. When you are ready and God gives you a new heartbeat, one that won't stop for eternity, then I don't want you to stay here for me, okay? This world is only a temporary place. While you have made it lovely in so many ways, and you've taught me so much, your body is worn out and your brain is confused. Stay as long as you need, but I want you to know that you're going to be so much better when you leave here. I can't wrap my head around how incredible it will be for you to walk and talk and sing again. Disease has not been our friend, but it has been our teacher. The last lesson is remembering that the wonderful life we experience on this earth is limited. So when you've reached your limit, Jesus calls for you. Don't keep fighting for me and don't be afraid. Just run into his arms.
He loves you even more than I do, and he's going to make you all better. That's something I can't do for you. It's something I can't do here. After you see Jesus, I have no doubt that your Grandma Charlotte will be next in line. She's probably about to bust down heaven's gates to get her arms around you once again. There's also one, maybe two brothers and sisters you never knew. And you have dozens of friends there. Danny, Brianna, the other Danny, Megan. The list could go on and on. Hug them all extra tight for me and tell them when it's my turn I'll be home. Until you're ready, we'll just keep taking it one step at a time. The finish line can't be too much farther ahead. But regardless of the miles, we know heaven awaits on the other side. And it's going to be so beautiful. Rest in that. I love you, Mommy. A few years back, I was invited into an old church library and I was told that I could have anything of interest. Talk about a gift. I felt like Belle walking into the Beast Library for the first time. It's my very favorite part of any Disney movie. I was blessed to discover many treasures that day, but one in particular is especially near to my heart. It's a copy of an old gift book by Corey Timboom called Clippings from My Notebook, published in 1982. There's a beautiful photo of Corey on the front, and the book is just 100 pages, but when I need a quick dose of encouragement, I reach for this notebook. As someone who walked through the trenches of suffering and agony for many years, I feel like Jesus drips from the pages of her notebook clippings. One of Corey's sayings I remind myself of often is, This life is only the first page of the book, not the last. And that, my friends, is today's thread of Each episode of Untangling Life concludes with a segment called On My Desk. Right now, On My Desk includes the resources I mention in the podcast, which are When I Lay My Isaac Down by Carol Kent, Clippings from My Notebook by Corey Tinboom, and One More Step, Finding Strength When You Feel Like Giving Up by Rachel Wojo. Also on my desk right now, though not mentioned in this podcast episode, we have this month's Bible reading challenge in his presence, a 31-day Bible reading plan and journal that will help you rush to spend time with Jesus and soak in the glory of his presence. Also on my desk right now is No Pain, No Gains by Chip Gaines. Love that book. Thanks for listening and see you next time on Entangling Life. Thank you for listening to the Untangling Life podcast with Rachel Wojo. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to subscribe. For show notes and free resources, visit rachelwojo.com. See you again soon. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry. Your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.